Your decisions today not only affect you, they impact your children, your children's children, your legacy, your heritage, and your future. This message is the third in the series, I Will Not Settle. The message is entitled, Understanding the Stakes. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, if you will, as we get started for this evening. I want to talk to you about understanding the stakes as we're involved in the series entitled, I Will Not Settle, and the importance of understanding some very critical things about making choices in your life about not settling. You are very important to God. Every person here, you're very important to God, and your life is very significant. You are not an accident. God does not have accidents. You are designed by God on purpose. There's a reason for your being. It's extremely important that we understand this because when you understand that God designed you and designed a purpose for your life, you realize that God designed you for a life that has more rather than less, that God wants you to have a life that is made for more more than just living for yourself, more than just doing life your way. God designed you for something grand, something glorious in His scheme and His plan. And while sometimes as we go through life, it doesn't seem like our lives amount to very much, there's a way in which God wants to uniquely use you that He can use no one else on the universe. And God created you for more. He didn't create you in a life for less. And the key to finding that more really is not just God. God certainly is for you. The Bible says if God be for you, who can be against you? God is for you. But sometimes we're not very much for ourselves. We actually become, as I'm going to talk about in a few moments, our own worst enemies. And so we get in the way of exactly what God wants to do in us and through us. And and by that, we have to improve, being aware of that, we have to improve our choices. We have to learn to choose consistent with God's will. He has a will, he has a plan, but he leaves us the choice. So you and I have to choose to cooperate with him. And I want you to see what God has to say about the power of choices in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 19. Listen to these words. Today, God says, I have given you, that's you and me, all of us here, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Who makes the choice? You and I do. We make the choice. And then God adds this, 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 this heartfelt statement, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So God says, I gave you this amazing gift called a free will. And you get to choose what you will do with life. You can choose life or death. You can choose blessings or curses. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose life so that you will live and that you, your children will live as well. Think about it this way. As you're going through life, you take roads along the journey. And one road will, may lead you away from God. The other road will lead you to God. But the choice is still yours. You have to choose which road that you take. And the road really does matter. And one of the key choices that you will make in life to get on the right road with God is this internal big choice that says, as I go through my life, I will not settle for less. God made me for more. Say it with me. I will not settle for less. God made me for more. There must be something in you that clicks on the inside that says, I am not going to settle for less than God's best. God made me for more. It's an individual choice, and it's something that you can make. 
Now, this choice as we make it, it goes beyond just being saved and going to heaven. It's, it's about a transforming life. And the more life that God has for you is to lead you into more joy and more peace and more love and more righteousness and more godliness and more self-control and more spiritual victory and more Christ-likeness. And so it is a journey. You don't get there in one step. It is a step-by-step process into more of the life God planned for you. But it all starts with the decision, I will not settle for anything less. Now, the urgency of making this decision, I will not settle for less in your life, is clarified when you understand the stakes of settling for less. And what I want to do tonight is I want to help you to see why it is so important for you to make this decision, I will not settle for less. I'm going to give you four reasons why settling for a less life is a serious matter. The first reason is because there's a devil who targets you. It's important to understand that if when you settle for a less life, you're actually playing into the hands of the devil. We need to realize, and I think most of us do, but I want to remind you of it again this evening, that in this world in which we live, we have a seen world and an unseen world, and the seen world that we interact with day in and day out is just a part of reality. The other part of reality is the unseen world of the spiritual forces. And the Bible is very clear that there's a realm or a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. There's a kingdom of God at work invisibly in our world. There's a kingdom of Satan that is at work invisibly in our world. There are two kingdoms. You can't see them with your natural eyes, but they exist. They are very, very real. And which kingdom you align yourself with will determine what ends up happening in your life. This is not a fairy tale. It's not some hyper-spiritual talk. This is reality. There are two kingdoms that exist. You can't see them naturally, but they still exist in reality. Jesus made this clear in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Note, Note what he said. Yes, I am the gate. The gate to what? The gate to the kingdom of God. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said there's these two kingdoms and two forces at work. One is the kingdom of God. And my purpose as I am the door to that kingdom is I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. Or one translation and says life and life more abundantly but there is a thief as well and the thief has an agenda also that is to steal and kill and to destroy you the apostle Peter was a man who had his own experiences with failure and the tricky schemes of Satan the devil and listen to what Peter said as a man coming out of an experience you know how he failed Jesus at the most significant time in Jesus one of the most significant times in Jesus life 1 Peter 5, verse 8, stay alert. Alert, that is wake up. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. And then he names the enemy. Who's the enemy? It's very clear. He's addressing the prince of darkness. Be alert. Watch out. Wake up. Be aware. Understand the reality of this. Be aware that the enemy, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So again, when you and I settle for less, we're playing into the hands of the adversary, the thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. We're playing into the hands of the one that wants to devour us. The Apostle Paul talked about this as well in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the, what kind of world? Unseen world. Against mighty powers in, the, in, in, in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul says you can't see it, but it's nevertheless very real. Now, I can use a simple analogy. There are many things that you can't see that are real. You can't see the wind, but the wind is real. You can't see electricity, but electricity is real. You see the result. And I would submit to you this evening, if you want to have any evidence for the reality of Satan, just look at the evidence in the world around us. It is absolutely devastating to see what the devil does to people, what the devil does to cultures, what the devil does to relationships. See, we can see the evidence of it that points to the reality in the unseen world, there is a realm of darkness and a realm of light. And without attempting to scare you, it is not my purpose to scare you, it is my purpose to sober you, to sober all of us. We need to remember that as surely as God has a plan for your life, the devil has a plan for your life. Can I get a little amen right there? The devil has a plan for your life. He's a thief, he's a murderer, he's a destroyer. And his goal is to reduce your life. His goal is to make your life less, not more. Write down this reference in, in James chapter 4, verse 7. I'm not, it's not on the screen, but I will give it to you. That's why James the Apostle told us this. He said, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. Everybody say, resist the devil. See, don't cooperate with the devil. Resist the devil. Okay? A lot of people cooperate with him. He comes in and makes some suggestion in their life. They just sort of cooperate with him. But the Bible says, no, don't cooperate with the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This I will not settle decision is extremely important because when you have passivity in this realm of your life, you end up playing into the hands of the devil who wants to steal, kill, and to destroy you. God made you for more. Don't settle for less. Number two, the second reason the stakes are so important in this process of life is it's a problem in you. Settling, living a life that says, I'm just going to settle. I'm just going to be comfortable. I'm not going to really press forward in my spiritual journey. When that happens, you're allowing your worst you to control you. I'm going to say that again. When you settle for less than God's best in your life. You're, you are allowing your worst you to control you. Did you hear what I said? There's a worst you in you. There's a worst you in me. And that worst you is all about the problem that every human being has. It's the problem called sin. Our nature works against us. The sinful nature that you and I have in us is always working against us. We are born with this rebellious, sinful nature, and we are our own worst enemies. Left to yourself, you will always choose a lesser life than a greater life. You, your life will be limited. And without God's grace, the, the, the best things you can accomplish will never be the greatest things that could have been accomplished in your life in relationship with God. That's why Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. Letting your sinful nature control your, control your mind, what does it lead to? It leads to death. When you and I let this lower nature in us, our worst self, 
And everybody has one. It's a sin that lives inside of you. This rebellion against God. When we don't address that issue inside of us and the ongoing nature of sin, the Bible says letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's a more life. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. We're our own worst enemies and we need to be saved from ourselves. And so when I choose and say, I will not settle for less, I'm saying I'm not going to cooperate with the devil's agenda for my life. I'm going to cooperate with God's agenda for my life. And I'm not going to settle for less. That is, I'm not going to live by my lower self. I'm going to learn to live a life that is led by and filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Number three, the third reason why this is so important, why the stakes so high in terms of making this decision is because there are destructive influences around you. There's a devil who's after you. There's you, right? And then there, there are other things that happen around you. Satan traps us and limits us oftentimes by by influences and experiences that happen around us. Every day we encounter people who are either paying no attention to God or contrary to God. We hear and see images and ideas that collide with God's thoughts and God's ways. We live in a world of relationships where often we are hurt and we're mistreated by people we, we sometimes even trusted. We're disappointed by circumstances and even worse things that happen. All of us here could describe experiences that have happened in our lives that were less than really what you would have hoped would have happened in your life. How many of you here had at least at some point in time a disappointment? Raise your hand. Come on, lift your hand high, okay? How many of you in your life have had somebody really hurt you that you trusted? Raise your hand, okay? How many of you have had someone actually that just targeted you and hurt you in some way that just really, you didn't even really necessarily have to know them. They just came after you and became an enemy. You had that experience. So all of us have had different kind of experiences that have left us bruised and broken and hurt by the environments that have happened around us. And all these things, listen closely, all these things can potentially leave their scars on our soul and create very real pain in our hearts and in our lives. And when you and I say, I will not settle it as a declaration that says no matter what destructive thing has happened in my life or has happened around me no matter what damage has already been done to me I will rise above them and I will rise beyond them these things will not define my life these things will not have the last word in my life the last chapter will be written by God not by things that have occurred in my life amen This is important. We're talking about Christians here, okay? We're talking about what does it mean to be a Christ follower? And to be a Christ follower means, yes, stuff happens to us. We go through the disappointments. We have the hurts and the things that happen in life. But we don't live by the code of the world. No, we rise beyond that. There is Christ living in me. And because Christ lives in me, I am more than a conqueror. I have the ability to not let these things define who and what I am and what I'm going to become with my life. I will not settle for less God made me for for more, for more. There's a story, you know it well, the Old Testament story of a man by the name of Joseph. Let me count, recount a bit of the story for you, and then I want to show you how, what a more look, life looks like. Joseph, you know, when he was 17, if you studied the story, 
uh, he had a dream and he went to his father about his dream that he was going to be a ruler, etc. And uh, multiple dreams that he had. And, and his brothers hear about this, become jealous of him, and they plot to kill him. And he's barely rescued from being killed by his brothers. He's sold into slavery and goes down into Egypt and ends up at the house of a man by the name of Potiphar, an Egyptian captain. Joseph does so well in the house there that uh, finally the, the uh, Potiphar, the, the owner of the house, said, you, you just want to just take charge of everything. You, just, you do a better job than I do. You're now in charge of everything here. And so uh, Joseph rose to prominence in Potiphar's house. Then we had the whole experience of Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him. And, and Joseph resists the temptation and flees from the environment. And then, of course, she falsely accuses him of raping her. And Potiphar takes her side instead of hearing out the story of what happened with Potiphar. With, with Joseph, and Joseph gets put into prison uh, unjustly. He's not supposed, he didn't do anything wrong, but he's in prison. Okay. Well, you know the story. Well, he's, all this, by the way, is taking place over a 13 year period of time. So he's in prison, and uh, some folks in prison have dreams, and he interprets their dream for them. And one of them promises that when he gets out, he'll remember him. As soon as he gets out, the guy forgets him, and Joseph is left there. But then there's a day that Pharaoh has the dream, he comes out. And, of course, uh, there's the famine that happens and so forth. I'm not going to go into the whole story. But the basic thing was this. Egypt and all that territory of the world went through a horrible famine period of time. And Joseph's brothers were back in their homeland. And they were starving for food. And the only place that had food was in Egypt where Joseph had wisely, as an administrator, uh, pr pr uh, secured enough resource to get them through the famine time. And so eventually his brothers, who had sold him into slavery and not heard anything from him for all those years, had to go to Egypt and ask for food from the brother that, had sold him, sold, that they had sold into slavery. They didn't realize this. Didn't know that it was him until a period of time. I encourage you to read this story in the latter part of the book of Genesis. But I want you to see what happens. Now, jo Joseph's in a position of power now, isn't he? Right? You with me? Okay. And his brothers come asking for food. What would you have done? The brothers that sold him into slavery thought about killing him, sold him into slavery, forgot about him, told his dad that he was dead, dead. What would you have done if you were in a position of power now over those people who are asking you for food for their sustenance? This is a key moment that will reveal whether Joseph is going to have a more life or a less life, okay? Let's see what happens. Genesis 50, 15 through 21. Everybody with me so far with the history lesson? That was a very quick history lesson, by the way, okay? So I left out a lot of stuff there, but you can go back and read it, okay? Genesis 50, verse 15. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now, Joseph will show his anger and pay us back. Everybody say payback. Everyone to pay somebody back? Of course you have, okay? Now, Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all, all the wrong we did to him. They said, so they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the wrong they did to you for their sin it's sin in treating you so cruelly. I'm not sure Jacob, the father, ever told him this, but this was a good story at this time for them, right? So we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, what did he do? He broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. What did they intend to do? 
they intended to harm him. You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, this evening, had Joseph chosen a different pathway, his story would not be in our Bible. His story is in our Bible. We honor him for who he is because he took the more life pathway. He made the choice at a moment when he could have used his power against his enemies to forgive his enemies. And because of that, he stepped into more. Let me tell you that life is going to treat you hard sometimes, but don't become hard. When life treats you hard, don't become hard because when you become hard, the devil gets the upper hand. But when you respond as Joseph did in a Christ-like spirit, that's when you begin to step in, step beyond the less into the more. Last point I want to make for you this evening. There are painful consequences that will follow you when you settle for less. When you settle for less, who are you playing into the hands of? The devil. When you settle for less, who's controlling you? You, okay? You are. Your, your lower you is controlling you. When you settle for less, what are you allowing to control your life? The environment, the experiences around you. Whatever happens to me controls what I become. No, that's not, that's not a more life. Amen? Okay. If I let whatever happens to me make me into I, who I become, then I'm not being controlled by Jesus. So I want a more life. And then finally, when you settle for less, there are going to be some painful consequences that will follow your life. Settling sets you up for unnecessary problems and pain. Now, life alone is going to give you enough of its own problems and pain. Don't set yourself up for unnecessary problems and pain. Amen? Don't do that. Okay? What happens whenever you, when you don't handle things the right way, when you live the less life rather than more? Well, I've listed some things here. It will limit your progress. You're just not going to progress as you need to progress. It will distress your mind and your emotions. I watch people all the time who are just all distressed about life, and the reason is because they're trying to live life on their own rather than with God, and so it's stressing them out. And life is stressful enough, and so you don't need to add to it a life that is controlled by the adversary, lived under your own sinful influences, and, and controlled by the things that happen around you. No, you, you. Your progress will be limited, and your mind will be distressed. It endangers your health. I will tell you that satanic, sinful, self-centered living is dangerous. It kills people. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to say it again because somebody didn't get this, okay? Satanic living is living under the influence of Satan, following his plan for your life. Sinful living and self-centered living, all those things are dangerous. They can kill you. When they control you, they'll make you they, they cause you to make foolish decisions without even thinking about the consequences. I watch people all the time that do things like, what are you thinking? You're, you're setting your life up for misery and failure. This way of thinking drives people to only, only consider the, the pleasures of life and the rush, the thrill, the sensual excitement they'll have in a moment. And it results in a lot of bad decisions. This stuff forces you down a pathway of destruction. And that's what the fourth thing is. sets you up for defeat and destruction. I want you to take a look with me at a man in the Bible who settled for less. We looked at one a moment ago who settled for more. And his name was Joseph. Now I want to give you a man that settled for less. Are you ready for his story? It's found in the book of Judges. 
And it's the story of a man named Samson. Anybody ever heard of Samson before? Of course you have, okay? What's Samson known for, known, known for? His great strength, right? And his great strength was found in his hair, partially, but it was also in a vows that he'd made that was a part of that. But I want you to see the un, unfolding of the story of Samson because he had, a, he had a more life that he stepped into less, whereas Joseph stepped from less into more. You see the difference here? Okay. Joseph stepped from less into more because of his attitude, how he handled thing, things, and Samson stepped in to less from his more because he allowed his own sinful nature and his own self-centered thinking to control him. Let's go to the story, Judges chapter 13, all right? I'll have to explain some of this to you as we go along, so you'll get it. By the way, this is a time, the book of Judges, so you'll understand it's a time when uh, Israel was being ruled by different judges at different times. It was, it was kind of a Wild West scenario that happened during this age, okay, in this time in, is, in Israel's history. And so the Philistines and other enemies were fighting against Israel. They were always being controlled by other groups of people. So it was just a very tumultuous time. And so at this particular time in Israel's history, the Philistines were just creating all kind of problems again for the Israelites. And so notice what happens. God comes to a man by the name of Manoah. Uh, and Manoah was uh, a, an Israelite. And God spoke some words to this man, Manoah, about a child he and his wife would have. Here's the story, Judges 13, 5. Speaking to his wife, he will become pregnant and give birth to a son. His hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from who? From the Philistines, okay? So God comes to Manoah and his wife and says, they couldn't have children, okay? So God comes to them and says, I'm going to give you a son, and he's going to deliver Israel, he's going to be a judge that will rise up and deliver Israel from the Philistines. That's a more life, right? I've got a plan for this kid. There's a purpose for his life. There's something I want him to accomplish. There's a unique role in history that I want this young man to fulfill. But I want you from the get-go to make sure he establishes and you as a family establish some vows with God. And one of those vows was not don't ever cut his hair, okay? Don't ever cut his hair. That's a symbol of a vow to God, and he was also required not to, not to have any fermented drink, and he was also just to be dedicated to God from the, from the very beginning. He was to live his life for God from the get-go. Now, of course, uh, Samson grew up, and Samson began to do a lot of wonderful things. Read in the book of Judges, uh, some of the chapters following chapter 13, you'll see some of the exploits of Samson, where he began to actually, when he got older, start delivering the people of Israel from the Philistines and delivering them from enemies. He was doing an amazing job, but Samson had a problem. Anybody know what his problem was? Starts with a W. Yeah, women. He had a problem with women. He could not control himself when it came to that. And it was, there, there are a variety of these indiscretions that Samson, Samson has because his character. You know, you can, you can stamp somebody something on the outside, but if they're not something on the inside, the stamp on the outside doesn't make them, right? You can say, boom, Nazarite, but if you don't have the right heart, you'll, you'll still have the issue, same issues, the, the, the problems. And so Samson didn't have the right heart. He had, had an issue. He was... He was controlled by his lower self. Amen? Okay? The worst you was come, came out of Samson. Now notice, finally, he ends up with one particular woman who was very devious. What was her name? Delilah. You guys know the story. You've been to Sunday school, haven't you? That's awesome. Okay? I don't even need to tell you the story. 
but I'm going to tell you anyway, okay? So he ends up with Delilah, and she is a devious. She is trying to get the better part of Samson and figure this thing out. So they're going through this whole sequence of what is your strength? What's the, what, hey, Samson, what is, what's the source of your strength? And Samson was playing games with her and so forth. Then we get down to, the, to verse 15 of Judges 16. Everybody still with me so far? I'm giving you real quick history lessons here, so I don't want to lose anybody. So here's, you got it. So here, get the picture. Okay, big old Samson. He's got his big old fluffy head in Delilah's lap. And they're laying there and she's stroking him and talking to him and say, oh, honey, sweetheart, baby doll, just tell me. You can tell me. I won't tell anybody. What is the source of your strength? Come on, sweet pea, tell me. Okay. Right. This is what's going on here. Okay. And he keeps playing games and he won't tell her. So notice what happens. Then Delilah, what did she do? She pouted. How can you tell me you love me when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented her with her nagging day after day. Okay. Men, do not underline that verse. Okay. Okay. Until he was sick to death of it. All right. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized that he'd finally told her the truth. So, he, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep. With his head where? In her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to, what's the phrase? Not bring him up, but bring him where? Down. Let me tell you something, folks. There's some relationships in life that will bring you up. There are other relationships that will bring you down. You've got to be careful who you hang with. Amen? In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. Are you seeing the price he paid for a less life rather than a more life? They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced him to grind grain in the prison. Let's stop there. So here he was. This amazing conqueror, this man that God had a unique plan for, okay? God said, you've got a more life. You're going to save Israel from the Philistines. And he'd had victories already. But he slipped in by his own evil, sinful nature. He let that control him. He wanted what he wanted more than he wanted what God wanted. And he slipped back into a less life. And now we see, and what is he doing? With eyes gouged out, blind because his eyes have been gouged out. And there he is, trudging away every day like a horse, like an animal, grinding out grain, the stones. He's pulling the stones that grind the grain for the flour to be made by the Philistines. Now, 
Here he is, the, the story kind of comes to a conclusion with one last opportunity. Then Samson, Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillows that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Here you see this, this man, Samson. He comes to the end of his life. And he says, God, just help me one more time. Let me find some dimension of my destiny. Let me fulfill some part of the purpose for which you created me. God, I have sacrificed. I've lived a life of less. Give me one more opportunity to have more. And he did, but it cost him his very life. What would the story of Samson have been like had from the very beginning he had never settled for less? Dear ones, I want to tell you, the stakes are high in your life. Why am I preaching this series to you? It's not because I just want a cool little series to teach you. I'm telling you, the stakes are high for you and for your family. Are you listening to me? The stakes are high for you and your family. We're not playing games here. There's a real spiritual battle that goes on. And the decisions you make matter. They make, they, they matter. And when you say, I will not settle for less, I am not going to live by the devil's agenda for my life. Amen. Thank you. I will not live by the devil's agenda for my life. I will not live by my lower self. I'm not going to let sin rule over me. I'm tired of letting sin tell me what to do. And I know it's in me and I can feel it pulling, but I'm, I'm going to learn what it means to conquer that in the name of Jesus and live beyond that by the power of the Holy Spirit so that I'm not living in death, I'm living in life. I'm making that decision. And I am not going to let whatever has happened to me, whatever it may have been, the experiences of life, the disappointments, the hurts, the pains, whatever have come my way, I will not let those things define my life. I will not settle for less. God made me for more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We're so grateful for you speaking to us. We ask, Lord, that you will help us to understand the stakes. Help us to realize how important this is that we stake our claim to declare, I will not settle. And Father, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us to dismantle and reject and resist the devil's agenda in our lives. I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would fill us up so that we are not controlled by our sinful nature, but instead we begin to serve and please you by the presence of your Spirit. I pray that wherever there have been hurts and things that have happened in our life that could very easily define us, that we will be like Joseph and say, we're not going to allow these things to create who our, what our world is. We're going to respond differently. And help us, Lord, to never be like Samson. Help us to always go for more, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. 
that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.